Welcome, Red Sox fans. Here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome, everyone. The Bastards are back for this early week edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the Baltimore Orioles sweeping the series three games to nothing. They are currently still in second place, three games back from the Tampa Bay Rays. The New York Yankees are two and a half games back of the Red Sox. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, Let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm certainly doing better than any Baltimore Orioles pitcher. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is that the worst pitching staff in baseball? Like, I, I haven't paid attention to much Orioles pitching except when we play them. But, oh, my God, they're bad. Wow. Wow, are they bad. I don't know how they beat anybody. Seriously, how do they win any games? I mean, unless John Means is on the mound, who's winning? We Ooh. won as many games in this Baltimore series as we had all month coming into it. We literally had three wins coming into the series. Baltimore is the ultimate, like, just get right team. You, you just go <laughs> up against them and you get right. It's You're good. Yeah. <laughs> just a absolute bloodbath all series long. Yep. Co-hosting with us tonight, also from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Charlie. Hey, uh, it's, uh, you know, what we witnessed is what we expected to happen. We expected to win against Baltimore. They're not really major league ready. I, I don't know how else to describe that team. Like, I, you walk in and you expect to say, oh, you hope you win two. No, you need to win three. You can't just win two here. This team is just not good. I'll just end it there. Yes, they're bad. I I thought they were going to be better this year. Maybe 70-something wins. For some reason, I thought they would take a step, but very bad. They're going to definitely get the first overall pick. Although, I haven't looked at Arizona, but probably still Baltimore. So, I guess kind of getting into the, the sweep here, Friday night... Nick Pavetta on the mound. Red Sox won 8-1. Then Saturday, the big Chris Sale return. Red Sox put up 16 runs to the Orioles, too. And then today with Erod on the mound in the series finale, Red Sox win that one 6-2. Now, I'm telling you right now what my fear is going forward. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm pessimistic going into the Yankees series, but the Red Sox were sitting on a lot of off-speed stuff. So if the Yankees come at them with a lot of fastballs, I hope we don't get blanked. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you really were playing against a AAA team. You were playing against a team that is not – they are they are not up to the Major League Baseball standard. I'm sorry if you don't like what I have to say on Twitter. Uh, you can you can hit me up, Smith underscore MLB. Oh, I Jason, forgot. I know, has a fun one. Terry has a fun one. Terry, if that's an invitation for me to harass you on Twitter, I'm more than happy to do it because I have never had so much harassment in a week, and I loved it. I, I've, I've never had so many great conversations – some of them left me scratching my head. Some of them made me go get a haircut. 
Uh, it just it needed to get done. But Jason, before I keep going, what's your Twitter handle? Yeah, my Twitter handle is a tricky one, but it's at uh, Color of the Iris on Twitter, and that's color spelt the English way with the O U R. Um, I'm hard. I'm hard to miss. You'll see the long hair. You'll see me uh, yelling about the Red Sox. You'll see me calling Mookie Betts Andrew McCutcheon 2.0. So I'm hard <laughs> to miss. Um, go find me on there. Yeah. Do, you know, uh, and Terry, did you say your Twitter handle already? Yeah, mine's written in, so that's how Perfect. I – it's impossible for me to forget. I, I, I will say this much. What we witnessed with Baltimore – as far as like series and whatnot, this this wasn't even the more exciting games that we had to watch. Did you guys watch the Field of Dreams game? I did. So, yes. So I'll be honest, I didn't watch a single second of it. Um, <laughs> I watched. I, I watched every moment of it. I caught the highlights on Twitter. I so this is where the baseball fan of me kind of leaves. I hate that movie. Oh, and <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I think it was a corny movie. It was, I don't consider it oh, a great corny? baseball you movie. Sad, so. You funny bitch, you. It's you corny. corny. It's That's fine. I, Kevin Costner's, Kevin Costner's a douche. Like, I, I, it's what? fine, but what? like, it's. Oh, he's no, one of my favorite actors other, of all time. I'm going to relegate just, you to the other uh, show. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I saw the highlights on Twitter. It looked like fun, but I don't know. I, I'm good. What yeah. was amazing? What uh, what was amazing about that game is that you have Liam Hendricks in there, who's arguably one of the better closers in the American League. Uh, he he got paid a pretty penny to come join the the White Sox, and he gives up a home run. He gives up another home run and the lead. And in the bottom of the ninth inning, they walk. I forget who it was that drew a walk for Chicago, and the very next batter is the heart of the Chicago White Sox. Tim Anderson rips it to the just ether of right field, and it was bliss. Everything that happened should have happened. It was just as magical of a game and moment. Like, I actually got a little emotional just, like, seeing that happen. Like, players coming out, I'm like, oh, my God. 32 years later, I still love this movie. I can't believe you don't like this movie. I'm actually – I don't have any – what's your favorite movie? Like, what's your favorite baseball movie? Uh, Major League. <laughs> that's a right, Major that's League a series. Is I, the, those are the best baseball movies ever made. Yeah, that's the first one. Bad. The first one's good. The second, and third one are kind of crap. Yeah. But the first one's amazing. I can quote that shit. Let me ask you guys this because sure. I feel like the James Earl Jones speech in the movie was phenomenal. One of the greatest of all time. So, what's your favorite sports speech in a movie? Ooh. It's probably. Um... It might be the one from Varsity Blues. Okay. I forget who made that speech. It was Varsity Blues. That was James Vanderbeek, who was playing the quarterback, I think. Um, I forget who made the speech in that movie, but that was that was probably the best one. Either that or the one from Rudy. Okay. There was one in Rudy, right? Rudy's yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So one one of those two. I know it's football, but like yeah. baseball movies never had great speeches to me. So that, oh. Right, yeah. Another great one, I think, came from "Remember the Titans" with Al Pacino. That, you, you fight for every inch. That was, that a, was a great one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't pencil him into you know a, a football coaching role either. So, remember anyway. the tight. Wait, remember the Titans? Yeah, yep. Scott. Um, let's see, Denzel Washington. I was gonna say that that was a Denzel one. Yeah, I don't think it was Al Pacino. Um, Jamie Fox. No, it was Al Pacino. Okay. Or did I? I'll have to, I'll have to rewatch I... it because I don't remember that movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but anyway, the the feel I liked it. I liked the way the dugouts were set up. I liked how the outfield, it was just all corn. I just think the grandstands, I think there were too many people in that part. I hate it that there was such a big crowd there, but yeah. And you can see the movie house back kind of off from the home dugout. They they kept it. They kept it so authentic. They kept it so authentic. Yeah. I, I, the ratings and that just kind of (laughs) rocketed. I feel like. Charlie, you're muted. Shucks. Yeah. Attention <laughs> listeners. I had the segue. Across the galaxy. 
all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff <laughs> by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. First scheduled for liftoff, new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. This spaceship is here to guide you on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even your anus. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. And I will apologize for being muted. That has like, I don't know, 7,000 RPMs right near Uranus. It just sounds, it just sounds kind of treacherous. But getting into this Baltimore Orioles series, we will start with the stud side since we won all of the games. So. Jason, go ahead and lead us off. Who is your stud for the series? Yeah, my stud was Hunter Renfro. Um, and I I want to officially now lay out a Mia Culpa to uh, the Bluminati, uh, the Bloom fans who kept telling us that Hunter Renfro was a good signing at the beginning of the year. I was against it. I think people who go back and listen to the show, they'll hear that I was not a big Hunter Renfro fan, um, but for one year at what three, three and a half million, um, he has been worth every penny and more. Um, he was great this series. Had a couple of hits, had two home runs. Uh, the throw, the throwout of Richie Martin at third base was maybe one of my favorite plays of the year because that was the classic like Hunter Renfro's a veteran. He's a good outfielder. He knows when to throw to a certain base and when not to. Um, he threw to third base knowing that Richie Martin was, A, like not that much of a speedster, and, B, he's kind of just a 4A player who's getting too much playing time. And Richie Martin had a good slide, but he popped off the base. And and given assist to Rafi Devers, who had a good tag on that, and, you know, that was that was what caused the out, but – Hunter Renfro has just been so valuable to this team. And I, again, I, I was kind of boohooing the signing at first because he was so bad in 2020, but look at his numbers in 2021. He, he hit two bombs this series. He's now up to 21 homers. Um, he's hitting 256. He's playing amazing defense out in right field. He leads the league in outfield assists. Um, Look, I, you know, uh, you know me. I'll take any opportunity to take a shot at Mookie Betts. He's been more valuable than Mookie Betts for in terms of right field this year. Like he's playing better defense, and he's had more homers, and he's probably been more impactful. So, um, for one year at three million, Hunter Renfro has been not just worth the money, but he's been worth more than that. So, he's awesome. Um, I hope that you know. And and I've seen a lot of people say, well. Hunter Renfro is going to drop off. Like, you know, this isn't going to keep going. Like, we're in the middle of August. I don't think a drop off is coming. I think this is the Hunter Renfro you're going to get. Um, and this is the best version of him, which is great for the Red Sox because if they're going to make any sort of playoff push in the second half here or in the last month, you need Hunter Renfro at his best or at his peak. And this is what he is he's a 250 hitter who can hit power and plays great defense, and that's what they're getting. Um, you've seen Cora. Cora trusts him. He's moving him up to second in the lineup at times. So, you know, and maybe that's just against left-handers because he crushes left-handers, but still, like, Cora obviously trusts him. He puts him out there pretty much every day. So this is huge. It's it's great for the Red Sox. Um, I kind of hope that they keep him around for after this year, but, you know, that's a long-term question. We'll see what happens then, but... Um, for a team that is now all of a sudden looking to 
crack into the playoffs as opposed to just coasting in there like they were in the first half. Hunter Renfro playing like he is now is huge. So he's been great, and I just hope he keeps it up. I'm pretty sure they have uh, Renfro for two more years under control. Oh, do they? Okay. I'll All right. It up. I thought it was a one-year deal. Yeah. Okay. Charlie, go ahead. So I'll say this much, and I apologize. I kind of cut you off a little bit. Um, so Hunter Renfro, when he came over, I had made the comment at the beginning of the year, does, do you guys remember who I compared Hunter Renfro to, to the guy who I hoped he was going to be like? No. I was like, this could be Mike Napoli all over again. Like, we could get that Mike T- Napoli type bat in there. He's kind of got the build for it. You know, not a catcher, but, you know, he could potentially... I would, I would love to see him. I think, oh, man, like him at first base. Like, I thought, okay, maybe they'll try something like that. Who knows? God forbid. Who knows? Because we kept losing first baseman. Nothing was working. But for the couple of million that he spent to get him here, he is just as what Jason had mentioned, just what I mentioned last week, worth every penny. And he's had moments where it's been frustrating and we've been like, ah, maybe we should just platoon him. But I'm going back to that statement where this is kind of like that John Nap or that Mike Napoli uh, in the in the lineup. You're probably going to see another five, six home runs. You're probably going to see another 15 to 20 RBIs. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes with 27 homers, 28 homers, 91, 92 RBIs. Probably in and around that 250, 255 clip. Um, you're you're getting incredible production. He's your third power bat in that lineup behind Devers and JD. He's got more pop than than X. I trust Renfro than I trust. I have more trust in Renfro than I do with Xander with people in scoring position. Um, but I also just want to be, I think, a little bit more mindful too. I don't think you can say. Hunter Renfro just dominated against Baltimore and he's back. Hunter Renfro has been consistent in other series too. And that's why I think it's okay to talk about what he's doing now. Because if you go off against Baltimore, that's not really saying much. He's been doing great work for the last, you know, for the month. Uh, He's had six bombs already. He's doing his job. I'm super thankful for him. Um, I don't care that in his third game, he didn't really do much. The first two, he did his job and then some. So keep it up. Yeah, and just to clarify on the contract, he's got ARB 3 and ARB 4 left. So the Red Sox could leverage that a little bit. Um, that's actually a good spot for them. I think that he they, still has. Yeah, he just they just got to pay his arbitration, don't they? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's all they have to do. Yep. That's that's what Andrew had been saying. Uh, so, the, yeah. So I would imagine he's going he's gonna to be with us for – Probably all of that. I mean, because let's think. I mean, we potentially will have Duran for a full season next year. Um, you'll have Verdugo. Who else do you have in the outfield? I, I mean, at that point, it's, it's just a matter of where do you put Kike, but you can put Kike at second. Um, right. And your outfield is set with Renfro, Duran, and Verdugo. So. Right, you're okay there. So there, yeah. there's a good chance he'll he'll still be at least with us next year and possibly the year after. Uh, and before I get into it, in regards to that that assist at third base, credit to Devers for keeping the the tag on him because if if the base runner was a little bit more careful, he's safe and. But, you know, Renfro certainly made it possible, and Devers kept the tag on, and it was an out. And it, it was a crucial out because Sale could have given up three runs instead of the two. So, And yep. uh, at, at that time, we hadn't quite gone off yet. I think it was only 6-2 to two at, at the time of that play. So, yeah. so who knows. But like Charlie said, you know, the Napoli comparison isn't – really isn't bad i mean they both mash like you know he nap napoli would barrel the ball up just like renfro does renfro had been getting kind of quiet i think for the month of july coming into the tampa series he was hitting 201 with a 269 on base so there's been a little bit of regression and then he turned it up a little bit in the tampa series and then carried that momentum into Baltimore. I, you know, everybody, I think, carried the momentum. And some, some really bad players had good numbers in this series. 
But so I, I, I like Renfro. I like his arm out there. I don't know how to look up outfield assists, but he's got 15 or 16 of them, and that would have to be leading the majors. I can't imagine anybody else has le- uh, more than that. Yeah, he he leads them. He leads at least the American League with fourteen or fifteen. So outfield assists. Yeah, yeah. He, he might lead all of the majors, but he's at least in the tops of the American League in terms of outfield assists. Yeah. Yeah, and I was trying to look up how many Mookie had in twenty eighteen, but he's on the field right now, and Mookie isn't. He's out with hip problems at the age of twenty eight or twenty nine. So. And even um, even before Mookie got hurt this year, he only had one outfield assist. He uh, his assist number got inflated because he played second base for a little bit, so he got five there. Okay. But he was, he's only got one from the outfield. So okay, he, he Mookie yeah. did have a good arm, but uh, I mean, what we're seeing from Renfro is just off the charts. So, Charlie, your stud for the series. So my set for this one was Chris Sale. You can make a case that it wasn't the best start. It's only been two years. And in two years, he did what I thought he was going to do. I don't remember if I, I guess I didn't make this public. I had conversations with a couple people where he said, five innings, two runs, eight strikeouts, 75 pitches. That's my guess. If he does any more than that, awesome. But I don't think he's going to do less. I think he's going to try to stretch at 75 pitches and they'll cut him off regardless He'll finish the at-bat. So I was off on that one. He pitched almost almost 90. Five innings, two runs on six hits. Both runs were solo home runs. Both runs were solo home runs. He walked zero batters, had eight strikeouts, and no silly stuff on that ball. He makes people like Garrett Cole look like a fool. Garrett Cole needs the sauce in order to do well. Chris Sale said, hold my effing beer. Watch how the big boys play. And it was, I mean... There were pitches that were flying right over the dish. Like on that three-by-three three grid, they were right on the five. And he caught Baltimore staring two or three times. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God. 67% of his pitches are strikes. And this is a great first game to have because, you know what? If he does this against New York or anybody else, I'm like, all right, good. We're set. We're in great shape. But if he if he struggles against Baltimore, I'm going to say, Rust, second start, let's pray for some success. What an awesome First game out of the gate. What an awesome start for Chris Sale. If this doesn't motivate you and pump you up for Boston right now, I just don't know what will. Because this is one of the reasons why I was down last year. We had no Chris Sale. I love Chris Sale. I'm all about Chris Sale. I will wear Chris Sale's jersey every time I go to Fenway Park. I don't care. He's pitching or not pitching. I'm still wearing Chris Sale's jersey. I'm just happy he's back. What do you think, Jason? So I'll start with what I thought was negative about Chris Sale's start so that I can get that out of the way. Um, it was against Baltimore, so he's he's punching out guys like Ryan McKenna and Jorge Mateo and Richie Martin, um, guys who are, uh, if you want to call them 4A players, I think that's generous. I think these are AAA players who will never make it in the big leagues. Um and I didn't love the velocity. The velocity was not quite where I wanted it to be. It felt like his fastball was topping out at 94, 95 at times. He hit 96 maybe once or twice, but the velocity wasn't quite there. Um, so those were the negatives. And the two home runs, I thought they were meatballs. They were bad pitches. So I didn't love that. But the positive, I love his slider. His slider looked phenomenal um and Eckersley Eckersley was like wetting himself over Chris Sale's slider and he should be because it looked great like the movement on that was fantastic he was locating it perfectly against right-handers it was like dipping right into that corner of the strike zone where right-handers just can't do anything with it um so I thought his breaking ball looked really good I thought his fastball was average um and again it's you know look it's been two years. Yes, he's had a couple of rehab starts, but he's probably still ramping up. He's probably still getting strength back. So I'm not going to like freak out that his fastball was only hitting 93, 94 at times because I think he can get that back. Um, overall, yeah, I, this is exactly the kind of Chris Sale start you wanted. Um, the two home runs weren't great, but he went in there against a bad team, a bad offense, and he beat them. 
So um, that's all you can ask for. And I just hope that the next time out against Texas, like maybe the velocity ticks up a little bit. Maybe he, you know, misses a few more bats than he did today. But overall, look, it, he's back. He looked great. I certainly would rather see him out there than Martin Perez or Garrett Richards. So overall, it's a positive. Um, can't go wrong with that. I was, I think a lot of us were expecting him to come in there and just mow everyone down and be utterly dominant like he used to be and make a statement, but it did look like he was kind of feeling things out a little bit still. So you can't really hold that against him. And I I was a little disappointed he didn't come back a week or so sooner they kind of protected him in a way because by bringing him in Saturday, he avoided, I think that was the Tampa series. Yeah, the Tampa series. So he didn't have to pitch to them. He comes in against Baltimore. Now he's going to miss the Yankees series and he'll come back in versus Texas. So that was probably a little bit by design. Also, I thought you were going to mention this, Jason, which would have been fine, but I'll also say that I was a little surprised Christian Vasquez was catching him because there were times where it didn't seem like they were in sync with one another. And Sale has an ERA right around, coming into this game, right around five with Vasquez. So. There's a reason Vasquez hasn't caught him for the bulk of Chris Sale's tenure here with the Red Sox. And I'm just wondering if in that third inning, when he gave up those back-to-back solo shots to Austin Hayes and Trey Mancini, if they they just kind of weren't on the same page. If that was Sandy, I think it was back-to-back change-ups that, that – went over the fence yeah sales not never been much of a change-up guy it's mostly been a flat fastball slider maybe with a little bit of a change-up mixed in but that's never been his predominant pitch so i'm just wondering if maybe cora was trying to save face with vasquez a little bit and not just boot him to the side right away because he's you know vasquez has been the guy and so on Friday, because that's when he's tentatively scheduled to pitch against the Rangers, I'm, I'm going to be super curious to see if Vasquez stays in there with him or if Ploiecki finally gets those spots. But nonetheless, he was never in too much trouble. Got the win. Happy to have him back. We're hopefully going to have Chris Sale pitching every fifth day for the next three years beyond this one. So, any thoughts on Vasquez, though? Yeah, I I agree with you. I I didn't love the game that Vasquez called for him. Um, I thought he was very reliant on the changeup, and you said it. Like Chris Sale's been fastball slider for most of his career. Um, he's one of the few guys who can get away with that because his fastball is so dynamic that. You know, it's it, it moves so much that it's almost like he has two pitches in that rather than just one. Um, I was surprised to see Vasquez catching him. I, I hated the back-to-back homers because each pitch was like a meatball right down the middle. Yeah. And and even Eckersley, Eckersley, to his credit, he called it out. He said, you know, I don't get that pitch calling. Like, you're, you know, you're ahead by a lot, and you're calling for a changeup right down the middle, like against Trey Mancini. And guys like this, like they're gonna crush that. So, I I wouldn't be surprised if Plawecki gets the nod on Friday when when sales starts again because I just don't think Vasquez knows what to do with this guy. So, while I understand and I agree with what you're saying, and I know this is something that Terry's brought up before as well, uh, Terry wants to see Plawecki's bat in the lineup. One easy way to get that done is to bench Vasquez and put him there. It wasn't just the slider that he was getting his strikeouts on. Like he was getting them on the fastball. And albeit, you know, it wasn't, he wasn't blowing them by with like 99, 98. You saw 95s, 94s. 
He hasn't pitched in two years. I'm super content that he can throw 94, 95. We've never been able to hit 90 combined. No, I'm kidding. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm super pumped at the fact that he's back and he's feeling good. Vasquez, no pass balls, no wild pitches. I think right now, tempering expectations, first game out, five innings, eight strikeouts. Yes, he's facing a bunch of hoo-hahs and no nobodies. He still had to do it, and he still gave us 90 pitches for the first time in two years. I will not say anything bad about this. I'm content with the fact that this is the first one out of the gate. If they change the tune and they go in a different direction, I'm okay with that too. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. He got the win. He did his job. Would you guys be surprised if somehow, some way, Sandy Leone ends up on this team? Now, a, a number of things would have to happen. He'd have to be DFA'd. He'd have to get all the way to the Red Sox on the waiver wire for the claim to happen. Another team could do it. The Yankees could do it just to spite us so we can't get him. And if not this year, because I'll admit that's a long shot, does he come back next year? Does Sale... Sale could probably influence that himself, I would think. And be like, you guys need to get him. He's my guy. It actually wouldn't shock me for rosters expanding in September. um, Because who's your third catcher right now? Connor Wong? I mean... A guy who the organization is not even sold is going to be a catcher long term. Um, and if Chris Sale is back and he's healthy and he's ready to go every five days, either Ploiecki's catching him or someone else. Because, yeah, if if Cora and the organization is convinced that he just doesn't work well with Vasquez, like, look, you're, you're in a playoff push now. You're in a division race. You're in at least a wild card race. So why not? I'm, I'm, where's Sandy Lone? He's in. Miami with the Marlins like the Marlins don't need him they you know they're giving up guys left and right they don't care so that you know they're out of it as much much to my dismay because I picked them to win the wild card but they're out of it so yeah they'd probably just put San Leone on waivers and the Red Sox could easily pick him up so it wouldn't shock me if he finds his way back in September look I never thought Travis Shaw would be back here but here he is so uh, could Sandy Leon make his way back here? Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't rule it out at all. Good God, if Sandy Leon comes back and we have to deal with this madness all over again. Charlie hates it's Leon. like, <laughs> it's not that I don't I don't hate him. It's like we're, we're giving him the Doug Mirabelli treatment where Doug Mirabelli is being flown in and he's being escorted by, by police so that he can get to start on time to catch Tim Wakefield. I, I'd fly him in by helicopter. I mean, at this point, you kind of got it. You got the money. Touch him, touch him down team. right behind second base. Let him off the yeah. helicopter. Yeah, seriously. I, I, I don't know. I mean, if he comes back, great. Here we go again. Let's let's do it all over again. Do I think this is going to be the 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 resurrection? No, no, no. My favorite thing about Sandy Leone and and Rick Porcello mentioned this is. If you're off your game and you're you're missing the marks, you know, and you you're not throwing what Sandy wants, Sandy will take the baseball and he'll throw a fastball right back at the pitcher. So when it hits his glove, it, it stings a little, as if to say, you know, get it together. You know, I love that about Sandy. See, I love that. Yeah, I think that intangible is great. And I've said for a while, like I'll drive Franchi Cadero to logan airport if it means he gets out of here so you know what we'll drive i'll drive franchi to logan we'll drop him off and then sandy leon can get in the car and i'll drive him back to fenway perfect there you go we'll do a trade yeah and another thing about ploiecki i don't have the confidence that he's going to be this elite game calling backup catcher like sandy was and like even david ross was because ross called a great game I always love to reference the the game that Buckles pitched against the Tigers. He was never the same after that weird cuddling injury he had with his kid that April, and he was out, missed most of the season. They brought him back in September. His fastball was topping out at like 88 to 90, and he had to pitch. I, I can't remember if it was game three or four against the Tigers in the ALCS, but David Ross got him through that game, and, and the Red Sox won. 
So I just don't, I'm not sold that Ploiecki is that guy because I think he would have emerged as somebody's personal catcher at this point, whether that's Evoldi or, or Pavetta. And you just don't really see him in there with certain guys uh, on certain days. You know, it's always just when Vasquez, they think he needs a day off or whatever, or maybe if the matchups favor um, Pulecki with certain lineups, then, you know, so be it. But, but glad to have Sale back. And hopefully that velocity Jason was talking about tips upward. You got one more thing, Charlie? Oh, no. Okay. Uh, so we will get into some honorable mentions. Kike Hernandez continues to be a ball of fire. Five for 11 on the series. Didn't hit a home run, but drove in runs in games one and three. Alex Verdugo, fresh off the paternity list, 5 for 12, had a big game on Saturday, went 4 for 5 with a run driven in. Xander Bogarts, 5 for 10, he got hit on the wrist and fell over and it looked bad at first, but... Do you guys ever have that, like, where you, like, you'll smash your knee on something and you'll, like, start to scream and then, like, a half a second into it, you're like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. I'm fine. <laughs> and then you walk off. That's that's, that's what, what it looked like. That's what it yeah, was. that's he, what it looked like, yeah. <laughs> he was on the ground and one second his season's over and the next second, oh, no, I'm going to take my base. So <laughs> that's what that was like. Let's see, going down the list now, Devers, 3 for 11, had a three-run bomb in game two on Saturday. Uh, we were down one to nothing when he hit that, so we went over Renfro. Bobby Dahlbeck, yeah, we got to talk about this. So Bobby Dahlbeck was 5 for 12. Red Sox Nation is in love. They are pounding that punch. They're, they're two-fisting it, just guzzling the Bobby Dahlbeck punch and you have Schwarber was two for six, only played in two games, two for four on Sunday was over two on Friday, but did draw two walks. So was on base multiple times in each game. So, I mean, are, are we going to, because Bobby Dahlbeck, he had a good series against Tampa. Okay, fine. And then he had a, he had a big series here against, the Orioles, but is he still going to be the first first baseman after acquiring Schwarber? I mean, I hope not, but it's looking like he might be. Um, <laughs> it sucks. Like, it, so this is the problem. Like, Bobby Dahlbeck goes off in this series. Congratulations, you hit the crap out of the ball against Baltimore. Against who are they throwing this series? Jorge Lopez, Keegan Aiken. Like, it, guys I've never heard of who can't throw crap, and they're throwing crap right down the middle. And, oh, by the way, the guy who is throwing crap right down the middle, 93 miles an hour, just a straight fastball right down the middle with the bases loaded, and Bobby Dahlbeck struck out. So he's still Bobby Dahlbeck in some aspects. Like, he didn't turn into Anthony Rizzo overnight. So let's pump the brakes. He had a good series. He also had a really bad day today on Sunday where the bases were loaded and he could have driven in a bunch of runs and oh no, he strikes out again. So, and there was also a ground ball that went right through him because I don't know, he couldn't see it or something like, I don't, do we need to get him contact lenses? Like, is he Chris Davis 2.0? I don't know. You know, like, I don't know what it is, but um, I, I hope that he sees less playing time at first base, but I'm worried that Bloom loves him. And the Red Sox organization loves him. And they look at a series like this and they go, oh, see, see, our, our patience paid off. He look at those bombs that he hit. Look at, you know, he hit the ball really hard. Like he's he's going to be the future. And Kyle Schwarber is going to just mix his way into the lineup. Like that's not why you went and got him. You went and got Kyle Schwarber because supposedly he would play every day. That's what I want to see. So uh, unfortunately, I think Dahlbeck's going to see more playing time than than we would like. I'm I'm not I will not I will not drink the punch on Bobby Dahlbeck because he decided to go and have a field day 
against the Baltimore Orioles. I will not drink the punch on Bobby Dahlbeck because he decided to have this really dumb accidental hit that knocked in three runs because Randy Rosarina can't field his position. True. So I will not give him credit for that. So to say, oh, he had the best game of the year, I'm sitting there thinking, great. Anyone can read numbers. Did you really do it or did the other team help you? It's like the argument that some people say, did you guys really win or did the other team lose? He didn't get the hit. Randy Rosarina couldn't field, and that's why three runs came around to score. So people are saying, oh, my God, Bobby Dalbeck, he had the best game of his life. Did you really watch what happened, or are you just reading the numbers? Because I can read, too. I went to school. I'm still patiently waiting to see what's going to happen with Schwarber because we've all been very hard on Bloom for the deadline, and for good reason. He didn't do anything. He got one player. Because the other ones don't count. They're garbage. Um, I'm curious to see what happens because he got a couple of doubles. Again, it was the Orioles. And he did score a couple runs, drew some walks. So he's got good plate discipline against the Orioles. I want to see a couple more series. I want to see if he's going to be able to make that shift over to first base successfully, without fail, without pulling a Christian Arroyo, because that would be terrible. Uh, so... I'm going to be mindful because I've had some expectations early this year that have already been hit almost. So I'm patiently going to wait to see what happens with them, but I will not drink the punch on Bobby Delbeck. I think we all know that. And then Royo comes back. It's going to be a mess. It's just going to be a mess. We're going to get into a lot more of these scenarios in the next episode, which is totally legit or calling the cops. That one will be out 24 hours after this one. But I like what I'm seeing from Schwarber. He's been a left fielder. He's been a catcher. I feel like if you can be a good catcher, you could probably be a good first baseman. You can scoop balls. So that's kind of what I want to see. Schwarber had the flair for the dramatic in the 2016 World Series. Missed the entire year because of a torn ACL. Finally came back in game six of the NLCS. That's when he was put on the roster, but he never actually was put into a lineup until they got into the World Series, of which he hit like 425 or something. Had a hell of a series. That's the guy I want. If he can play an adequate first base, oh, man. Cora loves Dahlbeck, too. That's the thing that, that frustrates me. Is It's like he's almost his son, and I feel like we're going to lose games because Cora loves Dahlbeck, but... Getting more into some other honorable mentions, uh, Nick Pavetta had his second stellar start. Six innings pitched, three hits, gave up just one earned run, walked two, struck out eight. We covered Chris Sale. He was stellar as well. And then today in the finale, Eduardo Rodriguez, six innings pitched, three hits, Gave up no earned runs. There was a run scored, but that was on a throwing error by Martinez. And uh, walked three, struck out six. Now, did you guys see the little brouhaha between him and Alex Cora in the dugout? Cora took him out of the game, and, and yeah. Erod got a little upset about it. So, well, Jason, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I was actually glad that Nesson showed that. That was really interesting. Um, Rodriguez, it looks like him and Cora really got into it about him being taken out, and I love that. I love that from Rodriguez's perspective because I love when my pitcher is pissed off that he gets taken out. He was around 80-something pitches. Right. Um, yeah, so he was he felt like he was good to go for a little bit longer, and I think by that point it was still a 3-1 to one game, right? So it was still pretty close. It wasn't six to one at that point, right? I don't believe so. So no. I think it was still a pretty close game. And I think Erod was sitting there going, Are you serious? I'm at 80 pitches. Like, I'm feeling good. I, you know, I had one bad inning and I've been good since. Like, you're really going to take me out now? And I love that. I love that from Rodriguez's perspective because look, it, 
he knows, you know, sales coming back and he's already seen Garrett Richards and Martin Perez lose their rotation spots. Like he knows he's like, look, I, if anyone's going to lose their spot next, it might be me the way things are going. So I need to go out there and prove that I can pitch seven, eight innings and be a playoff pitcher for a team that's looking to go to the playoffs. So he was pissed off. I liked it. Um, I don't, you know, any Red Sox fan who's worried about this going any further, don't worry about it. Like Rodriguez and Cora, I think they're good. I think they've got a pretty tight bond. That was just a, a case of an athlete who is competitive, who didn't want to come out of the game. And Cora is trying to protect him, maybe a little bit too much at this point. But I thought it was great. I, I love seeing the fire from Rodriguez. So um, I don't mind that at all. The reason... Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Charlie. No, you can, you can go first. Well, I was just going to say the reason Cora gave for it was because Barnes and Ottavino hadn't really had any opportunities because the other games were so widely won you know you had eight to one on friday 16 to two on saturday so they didn't get a chance to work tomorrow's an off day they just wanted them to to see some action before the the double header in new york on tuesday so that was the reasoning but go ahead charlie so real quick i know we we always do studs if we're doing well duds last the dud that I had was Adam Adovino, and that was only because there was really no dud. And it was, he, he was the only reliever that allowed a run. It, it was what it was. He pitched a third of an inning, and that's that. As far as Erod, I think part of the reason why he got fired up is because, yes, he got his ninth win on the year. Yes, he was able to bring his ERA under five, finally, because it's been forever. It's been since May, I think. Um, this is his former ball club. This is the team that signed him 10 years ago or 11 years ago or however many years ago it was. And then he got traded for a reliever named Andrew Miller. And that was, what, six, seven years ago. I think some people forget that. There's always this, like, this psychological thing in a player. They want to do really well against uh, the teams that they used to play for. They want to do really well against the teams that were like, yeah, we just, we don't believe in you anymore. So we're just going to trade you for a reliever. And depending on what the package is in response, that's a bigger slap in the face. Like, you trade me for Andrew Miller. And granted, Andrew Miller turned out to be a much better reliever in time. It took a little bit of time. But still, there's that little, that psyche thing. You know, I'm, I'm getting traded from the team that didn't believe in me. They gave up on me. And I think that might have been part of the reason. Again, we have no idea. We weren't there. We weren't a, a part of that conversation. But assuming positive intent, there's just no way that Alex Cora is going to risk injuring Erod. He needs to preserve him. We're not even in September. We just hit the halfway mark of August. We got six weeks to go. If you lose Erod, guess what, kids? Get Richards and Martin Perez is going to have to end up coming back, or God forbid, something else. Like it's just, it'd be a nightmare. And so I think being diplomatic, you're already winning the game. They had faith in the team. They already demolished them the first couple games. Let's just play it out and see what happens. And I think that's what he did. I I saw no issue with the move. None whatsoever. Actually, the, the story behind Rodriguez coming to Boston was that in 2014, a lot of teams had actually coveted Andrew Miller and... I think it was on deadline day and the Red Sox had a deal in place with Detroit and Baltimore was the other front runner, but Baltimore wasn't willing to give up Rodriguez in the deal. And so Sherrington was like, all right, well, we're going to send him to Detroit. Then we got a, a package lined up with Dave Dombrowski, who was still the GM of that team. And then finally at the 11th hour, Baltimore caved and said, all right, we'll give you guys Rodriguez. <laughs> and that that's, that's how, that's how he came to Boston. But was that, um, was that a Dan Duquette deal? It had to have been. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Duquette was still there, right? Yeah. 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 Jeez. So he, he was the Baltimore <laughs> GM and Baltimore actually, they actually beat or did they? Yeah. They beat the Tigers that year in the first round and played the Kansas City Royals in the in the ALCS. So, 
I, I don't remember how much of an impact Miller had in that series, but but that was a very unlikely uh, ALCS anyway. And just the year before, you had the Red Sox and the Tigers, two nuclear powers in the American League, you know, on a collision course. And you had the you had the Yankees and the Astros and the Red Sox and the Astros playing in that round. And but that one year, you had these two funky teams and. Unfortunately, the Royals lost to the Giants in the in Game Seven of the World Series. But but I agree with with Jason. Some people on social media were kind of you know they're so pro Cora that they were bagging on on Rodriguez a little bit. But but Rodriguez had a front row seat to to Cora losing confidence in especially Martin Perez. And uh, Garrett Richards as well. So he kind of probably felt like he was getting the same treatment they were. But I could see what Cora was thinking. And Rodriguez, this was his second really good start after two or three bad ones that started with the migraine. And then the next game, he just got utterly shelled. I forget who that was against. It might have been Toronto. But... So he, he was a little upset, but I don't think Erod, I can't see a scenario in which he comes out of the rotation. So I think he's pretty safe there as well. Garrett Whitlock was just absolute fire today. One and two thirds innings pitched, three strikeouts. I hope he's in the rotation next year. I think it's going to happen. It might not happen immediately, but it's going to happen. Don't have a ton of time, but it's not going to matter too much. Uh, not a lot on the dud side, but Jason, go ahead. Who's yours? Yeah, not not to spend a ton of time on him, but uh, Christian Vasquez was, you know, I think one for seven in the series. He only played twice. Um, and, you know, I know he's just coming back from the bereavement list, so, you know, hopefully he's okay. I know that's, that's always tough. Um, and, and, I do have problems with the way that he called the Chris Sale game. I, I don't think that he called a great game for him behind the plate. Um, you know, those those back-to-back home runs still sting with me a little bit. I I still wouldn't be surprised if Plawecki is getting the next start for Chris Sale. So um, not a great series for Vasquez, but you know what? When when you're hitting the crap out of the ball everywhere else and, you know, you're, you're sweeping the Orioles, it's okay if your catcher isn't exactly lighting it up offensively. So... Um, quiet series for him, but you know, ultimately I'm not worried to second that. Like literally when, uh, you know, we were trying to figure out who we we're going to pick for studs and duds. I was like, crap, Vasquez is my dud too. Cause everyone else did fine. And the only other option was Adam Ottavino, which I mentioned earlier, but that's it. Only reliever to allow a run in three days, one earned run on one third of an inning. And there's nothing else to waste time on. Like, Jason mentioned you literally had to think about it like crap who's the dud gonna be you guys scored 30 runs in three games we have to actually think about this and as soon as you find the one guy who didn't do the job it's like crap do I go for someone that I have one home run and four RBIs or do I go for a guy with two homers and two RBIs as my dud because literally everybody else did something and Ottavino that was it like that that was it and th- there's there were so many duds in this series I don't think we've had a series with this many uh, studs period yeah, not in a while. Uh, we've we've certainly had a lot of duds coming into the series because we lost four straight series in a row. But with Vasquez, I'm just going to say, I hope he catches fire at some point because he had a great first six weeks of the season, and now he's barely an average catcher. And we've seen the rotation struggle for like three weeks. They had an eight-something ERA. We've seen the bullpen still not really be dialed in and firing on all cylinders. So he's not calling a good game. You could actually probably say Vasquez is a below-average catcher at this point. The only thing he's doing is keeping runners on first base. Ploiecki can't do that. Ploiecki was two for three. Uh, in game one, that was his only game. But Vasquez just not very effective at the plate. And I think he was even hitting out of the nine hole in one of those games. So 
So not not the guy who started the season and, and certainly not the guy who has been hitting that well the last few years. So Charlie, your dud for the series. Yeah, it was just it was Ottavino. Like I don't I don't want to spend any time wasting talking about it just because like this was such a cupcake series. I don't think anyone thought, yeah, we'll win two out of three and think that's acceptable. You need to sweep against a team that's, as Jason has mentioned, a 4A team. This is a minor league ball club right now. You are not, if you lose to Baltimore, if if you lost one game to Baltimore, that whole team would be done for that game. You cannot lose to that team. And when you look at it, Chris Sale had two home runs allowed. Both runs were earned. You had one unearned run. I think it was, was it Pavetta was the only starting pitcher with one earned run? One earned run in the whole series that weren't around in a home run. Correct. Okay, cool. Yeah. I I just, I, I'd rather keep talking about the studs that we had than waste time talking about Adam Ottavino, who is 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 struggling. Is struggling. And it, it's it's not news. This is something that's unfortunately continued in the wrong direction. So, I'm hoping that he doesn't play for a little while. He gets the rest he needs, and he comes back healthy. I said this the last time we talked. And he took a line drive off the shoulder, too, and left the game. So we're going to get into some relief talk in the next episode. Again, totally legit. We're calling the cops. So we'll kind of dive into those later innings on that episode so we will shift over into the Yankee series we have a split 7 inning doubleheader coming up on Tuesday as i pull the matchups up let's see where are we so on Tuesday we have Nathan Avaldi versus is it Luis Gill Yes, Luis Gill in game one, who I'm not familiar with. He has a 0.00 ERA. Let's see, he's pitched just one start. Is that correct? Yeah, he's only pitched once. He made his debut last week. so He did, yeah. Didn't give up a run, apparently, because his ERA is zero. Five innings pitched, two hits, so... It was a pretty good outing for him, but he's up against Nathan Avaldi, who is listed as the father on all the Yankees' birth certificates. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. how do we see that Absolutely. one? Jason, are we going to agree here and say dub? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say dub. This series is in New York, right? It's in it Yankee is. Stadium? It is. It okay, is. Yeah. yeah. So I... I mean, even that being said, I, I, I don't know much about Luis Gill or Luis Heel, however he pronounces it. Um, but I think the Red Sox offense is in a good place right now. Granted, they will have a day off in between, so hopefully the bats don't cool off too much. But uh, I'm still, you know, is Rizzo back? Is Rizzo off the COVID IL? I don't believe so. Okay, so, yeah, I, I mean... You're not facing Rizzo. You know, I'm not a Joey Gallo guy. I never have been. I'm glad that the Yankees went and got him and not us. So um, I I think the Red Sox will win this one. I think Evaldi wants to go into Yankee Stadium and pitch really well. Um, and I think the Red Sox will chew up this rookie. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say dub for game one. Jason and I are, are aligned. Uh, Luis Seal or Gill, pitch against Seattle, pitch against Baltimore. He pitched against Baltimore and, and shut him out for six innings, struck out six. A guy who's never made a pitching performance in his life shut out Baltimore for six innings. Doesn't that tell you something? I don't think that Nate Evaldi is going to all of a sudden turn the clock off and be like, nah, I don't want to continue dominating the one team I keep owning every single time out. It's going to be a win. I'll... I'll let it ride and I'll uh, I'll join you guys in the win category. I am worried about the lineup being attacked with fastballs after get, you know being so off-speed pitch happy with a lot of their hits. So I am going to say that, but I do expect Nathan Avaldi to shut them down. I think there's a good chance Nathan Avaldi could pitch seven innings as well. He could just pitch the entire start. So 
would love to see it. Uh, game two, which will be at 7.05, I should say the first game of the doubleheader will be at 1.05 p.m. So game two at 7.05. Nobody's listed, but I'm almost positive that will be Tanner Houck versus um, Montgomery. What's his first name? Mike. 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 No, it's not yeah. Mike, is it? Is that Mike or Jordan? Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery. There is we that go. Jordan? Okay. I had <laughs> a Jordan is the yeah. And while think... while we're on brain farts, I want to correct my Al Pacino movie earlier. That was any given Sunday. Uh, that was not Remember oh. the Titans. So <laughs> I I got my football movies mixed up. But anyway, Hauk versus Montgomery. We've been up and down versus Montgomery. We've put runs up against him. He's gotten the better of us uh, one or two other times. So, Jason, how do you see that one going? Yeah, I, I just hope that they jump on Montgomery early because I think Hauk does struggle still with the third time through the order. So I hope we at least have four or five runs on the board before we get to that point. But I'm not a Montgomery guy. I think that he's average at best. He may even be below average. So if the Red Sox offense is continuing to play like they are, and that's a big if because they take some nights off, especially in a double header. You never know. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to be bold and say they're going to win game two as well. I, I think that the offense will do enough against Montgomery. I think Hauk will do his job and hopefully the bullpen can hold it together. As long as, uh, Hansel and Gretel don't get in there in, in the late innings, then we should be okay. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a cute little nickname for you. It, what was funny was I'm watching Terry's kind of face kind of. And it just reminds me of that meme of the guy in the wilderness with a full, like, lumberjack beard. He just kind of, like, an approving father when you said that. I actually think this is going to be the game that the Red Sox don't win of the three. Of the three. Montgomery's done very well against Boston. Similar to how I feel about Nate Evaldi doing well, he's found a rhythm against the team. I think Montgomery has, like Evaldi against uh, New York, against Boston, Montgomery has found a rhythm. He's pitched uh, five-plus. He's allowed uh, three earned in two of those games. He's lost two of those games, but only because he hasn't had the run support. I think that this is going to be the one where he does about the same, two to three earned runs, five, six innings, but the Yankees end up putting on. They they pack a punch because the bullpen, if Hauk gets uh, stuck, they're not going to be able to hold the lead down. So I think this is the one where we actually don't, we, we don't get it done. Well... There's not going to be many lefties in that lineup to, you know, to keep Hauk off balance because, like we said, Rizzo won't be back, uh, I think, before the weekend anyway. But I'm just going to pick the Red Sox in that one. <laughs> I mean, bring in Garrett Whitlock if, if you're not feeling it with Hauk in the fourth inning or so. So you're that bold. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. Whitlock, well, that would be what? That'd be a second day. So maybe that won't even be viable, actually. You might have to pencil him in for uh, late in the Pavetta game. But one way or the other, I I think the Red Sox will win game two. So game three, finally, uh, that is Nick Pavetta versus... I'm in the wrong spot. It's Heaney. Andrew Heaney will be facing against Pavetta. I'm just going to skip you guys and pick Pavetta then in that case. I'm not even going to give an analysis. Heaney sucks. Heaney blows. Boy, he's bad. If if the Red Sox don't win game three, uh, yeah, that's a problem. Heaney blows. So hopefully it's a sweep. But. So I guess if we're going to lose one, Charlie's right. It, it probably would be game two, but I'm, I'm picking a sweep as well. <clears throat> so uh, Nick Pavetta will win game three. <laughs> Nick Pavetta will win game three. Um, I had something in my throat. I, I don't think Andrew Heaney's a good pitcher either, even though he did eh, like – like a really good Garrett Richards impression of three yard and over five innings against Boston last time I had to look it up. Cause I remember he got the win, but I don't remember his line. And that's when uh, the Yankees won five, four. 
I remember he won. That's all I remember. He's had moments where he's he's done very well. He's pitched well against good teams. He's gotten 10 strikeouts against the Giants. Against teams in his division, though, eh. And then moments of brilliance. But I still would rather take Pavetta over Andrew Heaney. And I think I'd be a fool to say anything other than that. I'm going to stick to my gun and say that Boston will win two of three. And they'll, they'll uh, sandwich it. It'll go win-loss-win. I have no reason to believe that Pavetta would all of a sudden forget what's going on. Very good. So all three of us have the Red Sox at least winning the series. So we desperately need to. We've gotten within three games of the Tampa Bay Rays, who just dropped two games to the lowly Minnesota Twins. So hopefully our trajectory stays upward, theirs stays downward. And we're playing the Yankees, so that's our chance to to beat them further away from us. So we will be back to cover. This is the first series that Andrew and Job will get to review uh, from the Yankees all season. You guys have had them all. So we'll be back Wednesday night for that. But again, uh, 24 hours after this one will be totally legit or calling the cops which is always a very entertaining episode. Everyone have a good start to your work week. Take care.